When the going gets tough, fortitude is the virtue, the habit of soul by which we ensure that justice is done. But fortitude must not rely on itself. Welcome to episode 18 of Deep in Christ. Hello and welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi, here at the Coming Home Network International. And we're back with another discussion about the daily task of growing in imitation of and relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us again for this discussion. Last week, Father Peter and I had a great discussion about the virtue of fortitude. We kicked off this new series of episodes on that, that human, that cardinal virtue, also called courage. Um, we talked about how courage always uh, has its roots in our human vulnerability. Courage is this readiness to die, readiness to fall in battle, but it always grapples with, it always uh, looks toward the reality that we're vulnerable as human beings. We can die. Angels can't be courageous, as we discussed last time. We also looked at how uh, Christian martyrdom gives us this template, this acute vision of what true courage looks like and what true courage is or isn't. We had a good discussion about that. Today, we'll dig a little deeper in this virtue and look at how uh, in a deeper way than we examined last time, fortitude must not depend on itself. It must not rely on itself. Again, we're drawing from Joseph Pieper in that title from his book. Um, but fortitude, uh, both for its content, must rely on prudence and justice. You know, the, this turning towards reality to see what we ought to be courageous in, what we ought to be pursuing. But then certainly as a Christian, we recognize in a, in a much deeper way that we never can be reliant on ourselves. Our courage must refer back to reason and must even beneath that rely on our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we'll examine more deeply this, the, this virtue of courage and fortitude, talk a little bit about uh, how it depends on the earlier cardinal virtues we discussed, prudence and justice, and on God's grace, but also, of course, look at some ways we can begin living it out practically, incorporating it more intentionally into our daily lives. So with that, uh, let's jump in. Father, brother, Peter, yes. uh, we want to talk more about courage today. We got started last week. Hmm. Uh, we talked a bit about how courage... Uh, for it to be true, authentic, uh, virtuous, but uh, especially Christianly virtuous courage, that one aspect of it is that it's got its roots go all the way down deep to our vulnerability as human beings, because we're we're liable to death, because in some sense we're destined to death, but we're destined beyond death, something beyond death. But that, but courage always presupposes that vulnerability. It's always got its roots in our our mortality. But it also has its sights set on what's beyond our human mortality. It's got its sights on heaven, on Christ, on justice, and it's guided by prudence. So that's what we talked about last week. But specifically this week, we want to go deeper into that the connection between fortitude and justice and prudence. That um, and the way that Pieper phrases is that. Uh, fortitude must not rely on itself is kind of how he introduces that that topic that fortitude uh, we, we talked a lot last time about how the the virtues are this organic living unity uh, and fortitude is no exception to that but in in a much more heightened way uh, there is really a cascade here from 
prudence to justice to, to fortitude and fortitude more so than the previous virtues it, it has to be in the context of justice and prudence otherwise mm-hmm. it's just not fortitude why is that the case? <laughs> but uh, why? I mean, there's some obvious, there's some obvious sure. reasons why. I mean, uh, and we talked about some of those already, and just mm-hmm. that um, we can imagine, sort of, uh, on the human level, a sort of temperamental fortitude, mm-hmm. a, a a fearlessness, a readiness to die. In some sense, you know, the person who just likes to do crazy things. But that's right. not really this virtue we're talking about. Sure. But in fact, maybe I should read that quote I just read yeah, before I we start, because that, that is a, a, a beautiful quote, and I think almost somewhat humorous, but... Yes. The virtue of fortitude has nothing to do with a purely vital, blind, exuberant, daredevil spirit. On the other hand, it presupposes a healthy vitality, perhaps more than any other virtue. The man who recklessly and indiscriminately courts any kind of danger is not for that reason brave. All he proves is that without preliminary examination or distinction, he considers all manner of things more valuable than the personal intactness with uh, which he risks for their sake. Right. So, uh, yeah, the man, the man who's just a daredevil because he considers, uh, you know, the, the fun, the excitement of it more, uh, more valuable than basically the risk or the risk to his life right. is not for that reason brave necessarily. Yeah. You know, it just means that he maybe doesn't value his safety or life or intactness as much as he should. Mm-hmm. You know? It must be submitted to reason. You know, that's the virtues that they're rooted in prudence, this mm-hmm. turning towards reality, this habit of turning toward reality. Uh, and, and prudence and justice are what inform, they give form to the actions that are courageous. Uh, and without that form, uh, courage is kind of formless. It's just this, sure. it's just, again, your natural exuberance, you know, yeah. um, and it may even be destructive. I mean, that's the other mm-hmm. thing here too. And we'll talk about it a little bit more at the end here, but um, courage apart from justice and prudence uh, can be found to some, in some sense, again, in this, this sort of human sense mm-hmm. in the evil man, right? Sure. The evil genius is, yeah. is courageous. They dare very terrible things, um, yeah. but certainly they're not trying to do justice. You know? And that goes back to uh, a quote that I found uh, in this way back in in one of the uh, one of the first chapters. We ought to be prepared to find that the most powerful embodiment of evil in human history, the Antichrist, might well appear in the guise of a great ascetic. Mm-hmm. That is, in fact, the almost unanimous lesson of historical thinking in the West. Um, what I think he's trying to get at right there is that. Courage and temperance, in particular, you know these—they're kind of disciplines, uh, or they—they're—they're they're the false versions of them, you know, in one sense, um, that aren't really courage and temperance, but but sort of uh, they're kind of the wolf in sheep's clothing in many ways of those virtues. Uh, they can be tools for destruction as well as for good, um, you know, depending on on how whether they are appropriately linked to prudence and uh, and to justice and uh one of the things that we we've, we've talked in the past about prudence is uh to, to remind kind of the audience uh, remind the people who are listening that uh prudence is the first at least first part of prudence is that fundamental turning toward reality right mm-hmm. to to recognizing what is real and the first kind of one of the first truths that we understand uh that we know intuitively but also kind of need to face more fully sometimes in order to make sure that we're keeping kind of them appropriately uh, prioritized is that uh, life is good. Life is a value. Uh, and we sort of by our own instinct should 
preserve our life, but also that there's kind of fundamental responsibility to there too. Um, and so that's that's a real value, you know, and that's a that's a reality that needs to be faced up before we kind of delve into then what is what is the just thing in any situation, and then of course what is pr- what is courage because mm-hmm. courage should always take that into account that life is good and that we should preserve it. Yeah, one of the f- fundamental principles that, that prudence intuits there. Yeah, the the good ought to be done, and the evil avoided, and that it, it is it's good to be to engage myself as a person of reason and a person of will and to strive for that good. Like there is a goodness to things. And again, the Christian knows the source of that, knows the reason for that because it all comes from God. But even the non-Christian, you know, uh, always wrestles with this choice either to to have this sort of faith in things that things will, that there is a, that goodness ought to be done and they're going to keep to that. Or they wrestle with this despair, you know, that, oh, there's, what the, it's this nihilism. What's the heck the point of of all this? And so then their all their energy might even be turned to sort of getting getting revenge on reality for its its insults and its injuries that it's it's perpetrated on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, the human virtues, your human faculties, your intellect, your will, your passions, and then the, the perfections of these the the lower perfections, these these consequent uh, virtues down the line, downstream, so to speak, from prudence and justice, if they're detached from prudence and justice, um, they can be they could be very destructive. You know, just like we can turn our intellect and our will, and and uh, we can we can be fighting against God rather mm-hmm. than fighting with God, and not just failing to serve God or failing to be perfect. Uh, certainly, we're going to experience that. Certainly, we're going to do that, but. But the the person who allows himself can uh, can turn in the other direction completely and be fighting against God. Um, and what's interesting too about, about courage, um, there, we could say we could imagine one uh, disconnect uh, of courage from prudence and justice from its underlying realities is precisely like a, a certain pride, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm, I'm going to do this on on my own. Uh, even for the Christian, I think this is a danger. Where you know the maybe even the Christian who has acknowledged you know the purpose of his life and his duties and responsibilities, but but deep down there could still be this self reliance. You know, so uh, going back to this topic here, pr- uh, fortitude must not rely on itself technically, uh, theoretically, in the sense of it has to be downstream from prudence and justice. It has mm-hmm. to receive its information. It must be informed by the content of justice mm-hmm. and prudence. It must be informed by reality. It must be informed by my actual duties and obligations. But I think in a, in a subtler spiritual sense, fortitude must not rely on itself because the, the, the man, the potentially courageous man, must not even rely on his own strength to do justice or to carry out um, the, the decision of prudence. Mm-hmm. Um, he has to be relying on Christ. The Christian has to be relying on Christ. His courage must be rooted in the reality of his vulnerability, and the, but also the reality that he needs Christ's help to be even to be able to, be able to carry out courage. Because without that, um, then there is this separation from at least one aspect of reality, which is for sure God's providence and His grace, and my need for God's mercy and His grace. I mean, we can think of a situation going back to uh, a martyr, because yeah. uh, he talks about a lot about here, but but following upon Thomas and a few other saints as well. I feel the fathers of the church who who talk about that it, it is not for us to to volunteer ourselves for martyrdom. Mm-hmm. It is not for us to to seek out martyrdom. 
because there's something inherent there on rely there, there's something inherent about that that relies on our own strength that relies right. on our own kind of ability and courage to to be able to to suffer that well yeah um, and on that highest level there there's definitely there's need of God God's right. strength in that and uh, Thomas even Aquinas even ventures to say that that is that in precisely that type of man or type of person will God's providence abandon them? <laughs> um, and I thought that was kind of interesting to say. But but, but what we see is that uh, I, I think we can kind of conceive of a situation where we might be tempted if we are in, if we are the type of person that wants to, wants to be strong for God in those moments, wants to be ready to die for our faith and everything, that we could conceive of a situation where we might psych ourselves up, you know, hype ourselves up and think, well, I, I need to just go turn myself in now, you know, and, and, and die because if I don't do it now, I won't have the strength to do it later. You know, like psych yourself up for it and then just kind of like, okay, I got to do it now because otherwise I won't be able to do it. I don't think I'll have the strength to do it later. You know, of that, that can rely on, reliance on ourselves, thinking right. that it's all about kind of uh, us doing kind of manipulating ourselves in such ways as be able to say like, I can do this, you know, and, yeah. and, be, and, um, and, and relying on that rather than, and looking to the future and, kind of relinquishing that control, you know, relinquishing that control back to God Mm -hmm. um, and saying, God, I'm just going to need to trust in your grace. Say you're going to give me the ability to, to, if the time comes and if it does come for martyrdom for me, that I'll be able to suffer it well, you know, and that, but that, but that, that can be pared down really to any small situation too. It doesn't have to be the ultimate end. A lot of times it's, yeah, any, any little thing in life that we are having a hard time saying yes to, we sometimes think that, I need to, I need to put myself in the exact right state of mind and then just do it because I won't be able to do it if I'm not there rather than being like, okay, I just need to do it at the right time to kind of lay myself down and say, God, I'm going to trust you that you're going to give me the grace to do this, to say yes to this at the right time in the right place, you know. In the Our Father, in the, in the Lord's Prayer that he gives us, he instructs us to pray, um, to the Father, lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil. Mm. You know, so in, in imitation of Christ, I, I feel like we have it in Christ's example that the the right relationship to the Father, as well as to the reality of sin and evil and death in the world, is not to dis, dismiss the reality of death, um, but also not to you know, pridefully think that okay, I, I'm going to conquer this by stand aside, God, watch me, I'm going <laughs> to conquer this. No, it's that no, we we grapple with the reality. Of our mortality and of the you know the power in this world of evil, um, uh, but that what that turns us to is to a greater reliance on God. That's what it. That's the Christian looks at the reality of death. It doesn't. He doesn't shrink away from it. He doesn't try to ignore it or dismiss it. He looks at it. But what that prompts in the heart of the Christian is a greater reliance on God, saying, "Lord, deliver me from this evil." And he may deliver us from that evil in some miraculous way, mm-hmm. or more likely, perhaps, that he will give us the grace to actually be courageous, actually to persevere and endure through that evil. I mean, another little quote here we were reading beforehand that I think gives us some good uh, contrast. Um, let's see. Uh, Joseph Pieper uh, in this chapter, again, this is the second chapter of the section on, on courage. Uh, he's quoting Pericles. Uh, and he, he writes, Pericles, in the lofty words of his speech for the fallen heroes, expressed Christian wisdom also. For this too is our way, to dare most liberally where we have reflected best. With others, only ignorance begets fortitude, and reflection but begets hesitation. 
I love that contrast there, you know, talking about the, these others that Pericles is talking about, mm-hmm. where only their ignorance begets fortitude, mm-hmm. whereas their reflection begets hesitation. And those give us two great examples of, 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 a, of a wrong-headed fortitude that's disconnected from prudence, disconnected from justice. You know, the person, again, he expresses what you were talking about. The person, the only time they can be brave is when they've kind of like stopped thinking. Mm-hmm. They've gotten themselves drunk, either actually physically or spiritually. They're just trying to put it all out of their head. They're just trying to do the crazy thing. And that person, uh, they, yeah, they may rush into battle and they may die, but they're not acting virtuously and they're relying on their own their own passion, their own, uh, I don't know, adrenaline, I suppose, to get the job done. But they're not really looking at the reality of the potential death, nor the reality of the good that they may be accepting death for. And they also can't know how to go about the courage the right way because they are sort of casting off prudence. So we have this example of this, again, this just this reckless person who's rushing into the, the, the situation, but mm-hmm. not really looking at the situation, not really being prudent in the situation so that justice can be done. But then I love the other contrast too, of the yeah. person that when they actually think about it, and maybe this is why we sometimes we try not to think about it, because we're afraid that if we actually think about it, we're going to lose our motivation. Right. But that's to be a person of untruth, right? Yeah. That's to be a person, that that is fundamentally, to, again, to trust in myself rather than God. Yeah. Because part of the reality is that God is mm-hmm. the Lord, and what he calls me to, he'll also give me the grace to to be courageous in this is sort of a uh, uh, complimentary, you know, demonstrating that that fact that uh, demonstrating what you're talking about. But um, you know, on Palm Sunday, mm-hmm. the disciples thought the disciples were with Jesus, and they thought they had everything going for them, right? You know, yeah. everything. They, you, you got the people on your side, Jesus. <laughs> you're walking. You're walking into <laughs> Jerusalem. You know, everybody's laying their palms down. You're the king, man. You know, it's like we got everything. We got to keep this momentum going and everything. And only a few days later, they're in the garden and Jesus is crying. And Peter, uh, Peter and James and John, who also had the opportunity or probably were given the opportunity specifically because they were going to witness this moment, given the opportunity on to see the transfiguration, are now seeing Jesus weep and ask for his the, the cup to be taken away from him. Mm-hmm. Moments later, then everything's just going down the hole. I mean, right? Yeah. You know, the people come to the, the 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 soldiers come to arrest Jesus, and Peter just feels it all slipping away. Right? He's just feeling like this all this victory, you know, this momentum and everything of this conquering Messiah that's going to, you know, take hold of everything and you know whatever happens to be kind of envisioning for the future. It's all slipping away because they're about to arrest Jesus. So he takes out his sword, you know, mm-hmm. and he goes to fight. You know, and he kind of, he psychs himself up in that moment. He goes to fight. And um, I think we can, this is pulling from our Scott Hahn talk, but I think we can safely assume that Peter wasn't aiming for his ear. (laughs) I mean, like, you know, uh, he's not, he may be. Very precise. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, It's like, just just the ear. Just just, you didn't need that. Um, He's not aiming for his ear. And how, uh, how beautiful and appropriate is that that Jesus' last public miracle is to make up for the, the mistake of Peter. But hmm. um but we can see that situation where he just he he sees everything slipping away and he sees, hmm. you know, he doesn't 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 trust in that that maybe Jesus' way of conquering is actually going to be through the pain and death. You know, he just doesn't even come into his mind, even though he's talked to Jesus talked about it so many times, right? Right. That I have must I must die. Yeah. 
But no, he takes it upon himself. And so he takes courage into his own hands and he goes and he fights it. You know, he fight mm-hmm. he fights right then and there, thinking that there will be no opportunity later to right. for, for, for God to do what God wants. Right? Or, or maybe not even thinking. That, that's what is well, yeah, about the example right. of Peter is that yeah, he has these moments of passion. Yeah, I'll I'll go with you, Lord. I'll go I'll die with you. I'll, mm-hmm. you know, or or let's fight against him and and, and Jesus is always walking him back, like, dude, you you're not you're not seeing this. And we see we see it in Peter because then obviously a short time later when he's actually in this, in this, in this diff, very different kind in a of reflective moment. state, right? Yeah, yeah, and they're asking him, and, and he, uh, he obviously he denies Christ, and so we, yeah, we can, in our moments of passion, we can imagine ourselves very courageous, um, but, uh, but courage. What do we want to say here? Um, again, to be a to be a virtue, it has to. It has to be well. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be prudent. It has to be prudent. It has to be prudent. Prudence looks yeah. towards the reality and accepts both the reality of my my vulnerability, my, my mortality, but also what God's actually calling me to do. Mm-hmm. And what's the right thing in this moment? Yeah. And when it gets its its marching orders, so to speak, when prudence, you know, uh, recognizes that in this moment the the right thing to do justice is is this, mm-hmm. then yes, you put your shoulder against it and you push, and that's yeah. courage. Mm-hmm. But when courage just kind of acts out. Yeah. Out of you know, in fear or in, in blindness, you know, just kind of reacting. Mm-hmm. Um, it it doesn't always well. Sometimes it reveals to us who really, we really are. You know, sometimes in those moments of reacting, we discover our own anger, mm-hmm. our own propensity for violence, our own propensity for fear, our own propensity for cowardice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, courage has to be. It has to derive from prudence, from this habit of. Of staying, and this is we talked earlier too in prudence about uh, this quality of prudence called solertia, mm-hmm. um, which is this ability to remain prudent even in, in the kind of the bewildering, surprising situation. And we talked a little bit about there. Uh, there's obviously a connection there with courage. You know that that um, there's a, kind of an explicit link there between prudence and courage in the sense that to to be courageous. There has to be this ability to remain prudent. Well, to remain prudent in the bullying situation sort of involves a, a certain courage. But those two, we see those in those those uh, situations of um, surprise or alarm, those two really working together that I have to, even though I, I can't just react and start throwing stuff, I have to remain kind of prudent and intentional aware so, so that my, my step is the right step. Yeah. Just since and we've talked about this a number of times too, and really, in one, in some sense, to to steal the words of Christ for this is that you know, or the steal the words of Paul, I should say, you know, uh, the, the virtues, um, they're they're they are unified, they're distinguishable, but distinguishable, but they are a unified whole, and the head cannot say to the hand, "I do not need you." You know, um, they 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 reflect back on each other, and though as we grow in in, in true courage, it's also going to help us then grow in, in perfection of prudence. But you know, there's, 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 there needs to be a flow from one to the other and everything. But, yeah. but it's not a I'm going to become perfect at prudence and then I'll become perfect at justice and then I'll become perfect at courage. Yeah. It's you start with one and you get a little ways and then you kind of are that's already leading into the others and those are kind of reflecting back and helping you to grow in the first ones again. You know, it's it's yeah. they're they're all they're all working with each other, but. Well, maybe what we ought to do—we didn't do this at all last time at all—but mm. try to bring it down from the the level of theory into practice again. Mm. You know, thinking about our day-to-day lives. You know, we've already we did this a little bit with with prudence and justice. You know, certainly. Um, you know, some of the ways that we would practically practice prudence. Mm-hmm. You know, and it involves you know how we we think about our life. You know, how we we work into the structure of our life. 
uh, times for reflection, how important prayer is, because that's where we're turning back and rooting ourselves in that reality. You know, the, the importance of sort of pl- making a plan and running the plan and then reflecting on how it went and then adjusting the plan accordingly. Um, the, uh, before before we do that, real quick, yeah, yeah. Uh, something that I thought maybe should be stated from earlier uh, is this is something that it should be clear for us and for everybody if, if we kind of remember our, our talks right at the beginning about passion itself mm-hmm. is that uh, just because just because passion is pushing us a particular direction doesn't mean that it's not the courageous thing to do that. Right. Um, you know, it uh, it just means that there there's always going to be a propensity to do one thing versus another, and a lot of times fear is going to be pushing us back from it. Um, but but in reflecting prudently on the situation, it may actually be that the, the prudence may actually then tell us, yes, the right thing is to follow that passion, you know? Yeah. And then that's great because then passion and gets to do what it's supposed to do, which is be the horse's drawing the charioteer in the right direction. Yeah. Right. And the more we practice virtue, the more yeah. that, again, we yeah. do act as a whole. Yeah. You know, if our if we're purifying our heart, then our heart is going to be more drawn to God in all mm. situations. And the more that we're practicing, you know, courage, uh, the more, you know, whenever we're in those situations, we're draw- we can be drawn to the good, to the real good in that situation. And so that's, yeah, the more that this whole, this whole virtuous edifice uh, the more we practice it, and the more we submit it to God's grace too. Again, yeah. that's that's uh, that's always presupposed here, for sure. But again, on the practical level, you know, prudence, practicing prudence, um, one of the uh, looking to justice uh, is that we we actually look at the order in our lives. We put God at the top. We look at our other order of responsibilities. We kind of make the plan first. First, we recognize the plan. We recognize the reality of our lives and our vocations and all that. And and then obviously very very quickly at that point that's we start to recognize the the all the many opportunities every day uh, to practice uh, courage that whenever we uh, whenever we know what we ought to do in prudence and justice um, you know we get up in the morning I mean the first act getting out of bed the heroic moment that we've talked about before you know that's for most of us who are not yet saints. You know that is this moment of courage that, uh, and you, you talked a little bit last episode about how, yeah. even in those small discomforts, there's this connection to death. There's yeah. this this feeling like well, I, I feel like I'm going to die. You know, to get out of bed or to do this this hard thing. Part of our exodus, yeah. you know, uh, mm. part of our exodus ninety disciplines mm. uh, is jumping in a cold shower. Mm. I mean, talk about feeling like you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like every time you do it, you feel like you're jumping right into the middle of a battle or something. Mm-hmm. But, um. But it's amazing because it's just a little tiny training um, um, of, of laying down that, you know, death. So mm-hmm. of laying down yourself for the sake of a, a good thing. And it's good training in that because, you know, it's not really doing you any bodily harm. Yeah. Um, if, if, it, if, if you were doing something, if you're trying to train yourself by like, you know, like flagellation or something. <laughs> Which is when you whip yourself, you know. Um, for any, you know, for anyone who's for anyone listening, is, anyone who's curious is, yes. about the pronunciation. Yes, thing. exactly. <laughs> Just making sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. The uh, that's you know that's not a good way of it's not not a good way of yeah. training oneself because it actually is doing bodily harm, which is ignoring a uh, which is ignoring a good that should be preserved under mm-hmm. normal circumstances. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and so again, there's another real practical aspect of the connection between. Uh, courage and prudence here in that there again you could imagine the person who just uh i'm going to be courageous i'm going to be a courageous christian i'm going to be courageous whatever my vocation is um so they throw themselves into difficulty 
and probably beyond their means and their mm. ability and perhaps just makes more of a mess with their life. But that courage, even that even that desire in courage to do something great has to be submitted to, to reason, to prudence. It has to be guided by prudence. And, you know, I think uh, another very practical implication of the connection between courage and prudence is that prudence will like if we if we bring courage to prudence first and we ask you know what 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 do where should i start here i have this area of my life i want to work on where should i start here i think the prudent decision often is one that uh maybe courage would would consider to be a little too easy yeah a little, right. too well, wimpy, that's dull <laughs> you know to to take a to, to start with a baby step or to start yeah. small or to if you if you've got a big project ahead of you to start with just a, doing a piece of it or maybe just working on it for five minutes yeah. oftentimes we're precisely where we're stuck in life is where we have the big things that need to be done and uh, we're imprudently always trying to bite off the whole thing at once yeah and then we're constantly failing and we're constantly wondering why we're failing or why we're, we we're just so intimidated by the thing. When you, can, the, <laughs> you can talk to any uh, physical therapist yeah. and they'll tell you that one of the biggest thing, constant things that they, they have to work with, yeah. work, work on with people is working on uh, uh, workout related injuries right. because someone got, you know, got real psyched up and wanted to like, all right, I'm going to finally start working out mm-hmm. uh, in the, in the words of the, you know, in the words of Star-Lord, right? From Guardians of the Galaxy. All right. That's a wake up call. I'm going to commit. I'm going to get a Bowflex, get some dumbbells. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it's like, all right. But, but the thing is, you know, we always, almost always they like, when well, we want to jump into it and just start doing things that are beyond our ability to do and yeah. then our body is not prepared for it. And so mm-hmm. it gets hurt. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, well, then we've, we're even further back because we have to recover from that and then we're discouraged. So we we don't have that initial passion to drive us anymore. Yep. Um, but yeah, it, it it's so hard to be like, all right, I want to start working out. I haven't been working out at all. So I'm just going to start out by doing, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to start out by bench pressing 75 pounds. <laughs> yes. You know, like, you know, for, which for me is like a third of my body weight, right? right you know, right. it's just, that's really hard. Yeah. Um, but you know, to start out small, to, to train up to it, to, mm-hmm. to, to even just train your muscles to have the, even the tiny, the, it's the tiny little muscles in between that are the ones that get sure, hurt, sure. right? Yeah. But, but transferring that to, you know, some more significant things, uh, you know, what, what's an area in life that we want to improve, vir- yeah. you know, for virtuously for God, yeah. you know, something yeah. like that. Uh, we want to like bite off. I mean, we just started Lent um, mm-hmm. in, in our particular time period when we we're recording this. We just started Lent. Yeah. How many times every, every you know? How many times in my past have I just been like, I'm going to give up so much for Lent this year, and I'm going to do all this stuff on a perfect. Um, uh, I'm going to give up chocolate for the rest of my life. You know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. like want to do some grand thing, but then, uh, and I'm not prepared to that. It's not what God's called me to do, certainly. Right. Um, and so then when I inevitably fail, because I'm relying on my own strength and my own vision, kind of that thing, and I'm acting imprudently, I'm going to be even further back. I'm probably yeah. going to binge in chocolate for like three weeks, you yeah. know, or something like that. You know, Brother Rex and I talked so. about, a couple of weeks ago, at the, at the beginning of Lent, we talked about this a little bit. We, we talked through the, the Lenten penances of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And I will say, too, when this comes out, you know, Lent's still in full swing. Right. And if you're just getting on board here, like, the, there's still plenty of time. There's still plenty of penitential season left. So... Um, but we talked about how, uh, you know, penance are these acts of love for God, um, and, you know, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving are the three traditional penances during Lent, but we talked about precisely starting real small on on each of those, because the, um, the most important aspect of each of those is not how difficult they were, 
not your courage so 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 much as the fact that you did them for God and that you that you the self denial I guess that was the main thing we talked about is how the self denial in in all three of those was one of the most important aspects there um, that when we're when we're praying we're turning outward to God when we're fasting we're giving up something less uh, to be in greater union with God and when we're doing alms giving we're turning outward to it to our neighbor but in all those the most important thing is or the the most of the the thing that's being affected is this self-denial that I'm detaching myself from myself so I can be more a man for God and for others. And again, with that self-denial in mind, uh, we, we often see that, yeah, when we start a new prayer routine or I'm going to read, you know, 50 books this year, or I'm going to exercise this much, we often start, uh, biting off way more than we can chew. Cause we're precisely thinking of the courage, the bigness, the, the excitement, you know, the largeness of the, of the effort, but especially in spiritual matters, you know, the, the important thing is not our strength, but God's, you know, our reliance on God's. And so sometimes it's better to, to err on the side of, of, of starting smaller. You know, if you're going to commit to prayer, certainly commit to prayer, commit to a time to pray, but start with a commitment that's very manageable and low, because mm-hmm. you know what? The, the largeness of your commitment, that's not the important thing. Mm-hmm. It's the commitment and it's doing it for God. You can always pray more, mm-hmm. but practice first praying regularly, praying every day, even if it's just for a few minutes or for five minutes. We can go yeah. back to um, Psalm, um, Psalm uh, 50, is, uh, which is uh, the famous psalm of, of David, you know, having just sinned against God by committing adultery and, uh, and, and, and murdering, uh, murdering his, uh, the, the husband of the, the woman that he committed adultery with. Um, and, you know, as he goes through, have mercy on me, God, have um, in your kindness um, blood out my, all my sinfulness. But the end of it, he says, you know, he talks about how uh, sacrifice of, of bullocks you would refuse. What you desire is a clean heart, oh God, um, a pure and con- or a clean soul, oh God, a pure and contrite heart you will not refuse. But then it's not just about that, though. You're going to sort of start small. You know, start start in there. It's with your intentionality. you got to start. But then he says, you know, re, uh, but then he goes on to say, then you will be pleased. Uh, after doing that, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and everything. I wish I, uh, I should have a Bible with me yes, right now. Right yeah. This is, oh, I think I actually have my, my book right now. That's good. Here in my bag. I'm the worst priest. Sorry. <laughs> just... All, all the all you all you good uh, you know Protestants out there are looking at me like, look at that guy doesn't have his Bible with him, or doesn't have his Bible in his hand. Yeah, man, I feel bad. I do need to read the I need to, need to memorize more scripture. But all right, let's go. Let's do this. It's fifty one. Yeah, it just depends Psalm on the numbering. It depends on the numbering. You know that, that, that sure. you're using, but. Um, for you take no delight in sacrifice, where I to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart of God you will not despise. But then, do good to Zion in your good pleasure, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then mm. bulls will be offered on your altar. And so we can see maybe an analogy there where yeah. you're starting with the intention, make, make, make sure we do this for the right reason, not out of kind of this, you know, sporadic thing. Yeah. And then rebuilding the city, right? You know, I kind of imagine, our, you know, ourselves in a sense of that city. We're rebuilding the city, um, doing it bit by bit. 
But it's like then those big grand gestures will be able to be done the right way and at right. the right time. And ultimately, it, it's still done according to God's plan because they're still, in that sense, they're still you doing the Levitical sacrifices. You know, mm-hmm. it's still they're not just sacrificing whatever. You know, right. they're not sacrificing people. Um, they're 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 still doing the right sacrifices, but it's it even those things have to be done for the right reason, right? right. You know, and uh, with the right intentionality and right prudential uh, process. Yeah. No, that's such a. I love that. Yeah. So that as we, again, courage deriving from from the guidance of prudence, oftentimes we'll, we'll recognize if we're, if we're really being honest with ourselves, really being prudent there, that we have to start small. Uh, we, we, we can't let ourselves be guided by courage. Maybe, maybe where courage wants to go, the bravado, sort of, so to speak there. But in our prudence, um, sometimes we recognize that the, the readiness to die of courage sometimes needs to be the readiness to die to my plans and desires. You know, the way I'd rather go about this um, again, Lent's a great time for this, that I, I was talking to my kids this week and I was trying to help them think through some Lenten penances. And of course, kids are, they're just mm-hmm. parroting what they've heard. Oh, I'll, I'll give up video games for Lent or I'll give up breakfast for Lent, you know, or all these things that, you know, I'm thinking this is, that would not be a, a good thing for a, a growing child, you know? Mm. Um, and I, I was trying to help them pick something very, very small. I want you to pick one toy. Well, I don't even play with that toy very much. Trust me. Pick that toy because tomorrow you're going to want to play with that toy. No. You know, if you pick something bigger than that, then you may have a pretty miserable Lent. You know? And, I, and I'm, I'm trying to give them this experience of you, know, you pick something small and then recognize that even in that small thing, you're going to discover your self-will. You're going to discover how difficult it is to be obedient to God even in little things. But you're going to get these very pure opportunities during this course of this Lenten season to say, you know what? I'm going to not play with that toy until the end of Lent purely because of out of love of God. This is a really random way of uh, <laughs> doing an analogy. but yeah. uh, So when I hurt my knee real bad, I tore ACL and stuff a few years ago. Yeah. Um, they, it, it hurt, right? It hurts to move. It, you know, it's awful. It's like, oh gosh, like I just want to keep it still all the time, right? Then I go in and get an MRI. One of the things about an MRI is you got to stick your leg in there and say, don't move for like five 10 minutes, whatever. Yeah. Cannot believe how hard <laughs> it is. Right. And it's it's just one of those things where as soon as you can't do it anymore, it is the number one all-consuming thing <laughs> that right. you want right. to do. And it's similar with that. It's like so even the littlest things, it's like as soon as you can't have them, then they become an opportunity for sacrifice. Because yeah. all of a sudden we just want them. Oh, we've been far afield. But the point here, the, again, the overall point that we were exploring today is just that again, courage as a virtue, this virtue of doing the hard right thing, though it's hard because it's right, has to be, it has to, to depend on, on justice and prudence. You know, it has to, it has to actually be hooked to a real objective good thing that I'm striving for. Mm-hmm. But it also has to be guided by prudence's realism, prudence's discernment, prudence's openness to the Holy Spirit, and prudence's movement to try to see what's really the right next step. And then certainly when you have that right next step, yeah, you put your shoulder against it and you push and that's that's this virtue of courage, but it has to derive um, from prudence and justice. For sure. And I think for the Christian too, again, if we if we go one level more outward, that, that prudence and justice, all the cardinal virtues in general, these human virtues, they all take place in the context of the theological virtues. Mm-hmm. They take place in the context of this relationship with God, that God is uh, the author of this reality, 
Uh, I put my trust in him. I love him. I hope in his promises. And it's in that context, again, that that's the reality that I'm turning to as a prudent Christian. I'm turning to the reality of God and his presence, his presence and his providence uh, and the justice he's calling me to. And it's in the context of all that that I exercise this human virtue of courage towards God's ends. There's a good summary of the relationship between, you know, prudence and justice and fortitude here at the end of the chapter. So I think I'll just read through this yeah. real quick. Um, it is the function of justice to carry out the order of reason in all human affairs. The other virtues, fortitude and temperance, serve the conservation of this good. It is their function to preserve man from declining from the good. Under the direction of prudence, the good of man becomes compellingly evident. Justice primarily brings about the actual realization of this good, and fortitude, therefore, by itself, is not the primary realization of the good, but fortitude protects this realization or clears the road for it. And so we just have that nice kind of linear progression um, and, and relationship between prudence makes the good evident, and justice is all about the primary kind of realization of that good, but and uh, and uh, fortitude is kind of like the the armor, <laughs> yeah. the, you know that 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 the, the knight gears up with to make uh, his achievement of victory actually a possibility yeah. as he goes forward. So. Well, there's a nice preview there too of the next uh, the next topic that that Joseph Pieper covers in his book, which so it said at the end there that uh, courage um, preserves or clears the way for mm. justice to be done, and so he'll he'll go on to talk about how there's uh, courage has two courage or fortitude we use those tr terms interchangeably there they have, it has two primary aspects there's an endurance aspect mm -hmm. and an attack aspect mm -hmm. so the attack would be the clearing that way for the justice to be done whereas the endurance is the preservation of the justice amidst you know the daily toil and the ups and downs of life uh, endurance is what um, we if we look for the term in scripture uh, we look for references to courage the endurance, I think, is, is something that comes out a lot, especially in the New oh, Testament. Sure. Enduring to the end, yeah. you know, and all that. Um, but certainly there's many examples of, of that, that those moments where it's necessary to clear the way, to attack, to, to be decisive. So we're going to explore both the, the endurance and the uh, attack aspects of courage going forward. I hope you enjoyed this week's discussion on the virtue of fortitude. You know, fortitude is this virtue, this habit of soul by which we do the hard right thing, by which we ensure that justice is done. But as we saw, uh, the virtue of fortitude must not rely on itself, must not depend on itself. Uh, fortitude looks to prudence and justice to find its content, you know, the things we ought to be doing, the things we are called to do uh, to, to receive its marching orders, so to speak. But also the Christian recognizes that even beneath those other human virtues is God's grace, the theological virtues, our relationship with God. That's where we go to seek reality. That's where we go to seek the strength to see that uh, justice is done. Um, fortitude often, again, uh, under the, the direction of prudence here, uh, must oftentimes start small, make baby steps when we, when we seek to carry out the plan, to carry out the responsibilities God's given us. Oftentimes, what keeps us from getting started is that we're trying to bite off more than we can chew. We're trying to do the whole thing at once. We're trying to rely on our own strength. Our fortitude is trying to, to rely on itself rather than stepping back, reconnecting with God, and taking that first step. So it was a good discussion. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, as always, you know, we invite you to follow the show. You know, subscribe on your favorite uh, podcast platform. 
uh, like us on YouTube or all those, you know, all the internet stuff here. Also share this episode, uh, this show with other people that might be interested in it. And of course, uh, if you are someone who is exploring the Catholic Church, if you're somewhere along that journey uh, and you want uh, to walk with a community of other people like yourselves, we invite you to go to chnetwork.org. We've got a great archive of stories that you can uh, check out. We've got many resources. But uh, most importantly, with just a few clicks, you can join our online community where you can connect with other people like yourself on this journey of of exploring uh, our Lord's church that he's given us. But you can also follow this show and join in the discussion. We'd love to have you there. So once again, thank you for joining us for this episode of Deep in Christ. God bless. We'll see you next week.